and happy new year, Rocky Peak. And wherever it is you're joining us from, whether you're joining us somewhere on campus or you're joining us online, we're excited to kick off 2022 with you. If you and I have not had a chance to meet yet, my name is Dre, I'm one of the teaching pastors here, and we're gonna go into our time of teaching, but before we do, I wanna address one key thing, especially for those of you that are on campus right now, you might've noticed, I'm not there live. And I wanna talk a little bit about how, why we're, our time of teaching is a little bit unique this weekend. And so Rocky Peak, this week I tested positive for COVID. Now the great news is I'm on the other end of it. I'm doing much, much better. My family is doing very, very well. Thank you for what I'm sure is uh, your concern. And in fact, I'm not only doing much better other than a little bit, you can hear it in my voice, but I've crossed all the CDC thresholds, which allows me to be around people now as long as I'm masked up. But out of an abundance of just caution and wisdom, we didn't want to put anybody at risk. And so we decided that the best thing to do would be to pre-tape the weekend message rather than me be there in person. And so I'm here in the empty worship center, kind of going back to the old days, if you will, of when we were live streaming every week and bringing you the message this weekend through the magic of digital video. But I'm still thankful that we get to do this because I'm grateful that we still get the opportunity to be able to close out our series in science, to be able to continue and be able to set the foundation for what God is going to continue to do starting next weekend in a brand new series called Supernatural. And so with that, Rocky Peak, I'm gonna invite you to join me as we go into this time of teaching. And so if you haven't done so yet, if you open up your programs inside, you're gonna find your green and white message note sheet, which is a great tool to help you follow along with this time of teaching. As I always say, I like to provide some blank space there for you to be able to jot down anything the Holy Spirit is prompting you specifically to remember. I'm going to pray and we're going to get started. Jesus, if there's one thing we've learned over the last two or three years, it's that the unexpected happens. But even as we continue to learn that, it doesn't change that while the unexpected comes its way, it never changes who you are. It never changes that you saw all of this coming. It never changes that you are at work through all of this for the good of your name, for the good of your kingdom, for the good of us. It never changes your sovereignty. It never changes your power. It never changes your goodness. It never changes the hope that you bring and so Jesus, as we start another year, as we go forward into 2020, I know for many of us there is hope and I know for many of us there is trepidation. There is concern because we can't fully see what's ahead. But thank you that even though we can't see what's ahead, we can see you that throughout your word, you have revealed yourself clearly as king, clearly as present, clearly as the resurrected Christ. And so as we go into your word, which is living and active, we pray a new breath to remind us of that truth. Jesus, as I often say as the communicator, I pray that I would become less, that I would fall by the wayside, that this wouldn't be about me this weekend, but that you, Jesus, as our King and our Lord would become much, much more as we go through your word together. And it's in your name, King Jesus, that we all said, amen. Well, amen, Rocky Peak. 
So this weekend, we're gonna be continuing this series that we've been in for quite some time now called Signs. And if you're new to Rocky Peak, what the series has been, it's been an in-depth study in the life and teachings of Jesus. As seen through the eyes of one of his closest followers and friends, a man that we now call the Apostle John. And this has been a journey through John's gospel in the New Testament, the second half of our Bibles. And specifically this weekend, we're gonna be wrapping up this second sub-series we've been in called Signs the Path Forward. And if you've been with us, the entirety of this sub-series has taken place on the last night before Jesus' arrest, which is gonna lead to his execution. And this whole series has been focused on Jesus' last words, if you will, to his closest followers, his disciples, his closest friends, as he speaks to them what, to, what is coming ahead and prepares them for how to move forward in light of his coming death and resurrection. And the reality is that we have seen that for his followers and friends, that this has been a time of significant grief and crisis because Jesus has said that he is gonna be departing, going back to the Father, going somewhere where they can't follow. And for them, that has brought significant grief because that has completely shattered their paradigms of who they envisioned Jesus to be and what they expected Jesus to be able to do. Again, this is a point of deep crisis for them. And what we've seen throughout the series that it's in the midst of that crisis that Jesus speaks hope, and Jesus speaks comfort as he prepares them for what's ahead. And so last week, we, we began this uh, two-parter, if you will, to wrap up this series as we started John chapter 16. And I've called these last two weeks moving forward because Jesus is gonna give his last final instructions before his arrest, and he's preparing them. He's telling them it's time to move forward, not just to experience their immediate future, which is gonna be Jesus' arrest, death, and resurrection, but he's preparing them that it's time to move forward into this new era that God's kingdom is inaugurating through the work of Jesus. And so what we have seen starting last week is that this new era is going to be marked by some significantly new things. Last week, we focused on that a key mark of this new era is the coming of God's Holy Spirit. And so we talked about how the Holy Spirit provides multiple functions as Jesus has taught us throughout John's gospel. Last week, specifically, we focused focused in that the function, one of the functions of the spirit is that he comes to bring conviction, a beautiful, holy conviction to lead God's lost people back to repentance. And specifically, the spirit will bring conviction against our sins, against our unrighteousness, and against our version of judgment. And so this weekend, as we close out John chapter 16, we're gonna see that Jesus is gonna give us two more marks of this new era, this new kingdom reality that his resurrection is ushering in regarding our relationship with God the Father and what it means to experience hope in the midst of grief. And what I want to draw your attention to there on the front of your note sheet is a verse I quoted last weekend. It's also a verse that Michael has touched on a few times throughout this series from the prophet Ezekiel. And it says that I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And this was a foretelling of what the Messiah would come 
come and do, that he would usher in a new era. And again, we see the receiving of the Spirit, but because of the Spirit, we see this marker of new life that leads to restored relationships. And so as we unpack our passage today, we're gonna see clear what Ezekiel was talking about through that verse. And so if you're following along in your note sheet, you're gonna see that you've got a section titled Grief and Joy. If you've got your Bibles, open them up. If you've got your apps, turn them on. We're gonna be going to John chapter 16 in the New Testament. John chapter 16, and we're gonna be starting in verse 16 today. And I may not be there in person, Rocky Peak, but you know me, what am I gonna say? Get those pens ready, get the highlight function ready because we are gonna make our Bibles messy this weekend. So starting in verse 16, Jesus went on to say, in a little while, you will see me no more. Again, that's his departure. That's the, point, that's the point that has caused this grief and tension for the disciples. In a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. Would you underline or highlight that phrase? You will see me. And so Jesus is speaking about his resurrection. He's making a declaration of not just life, but a declaration of victory that he's going to leave due to death, but he's gonna come back having conquered sin and death. You will see me. Verse 17, at this, some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? And because I am going to the Father, they kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Would you underline or highlight that last phrase? We don't understand what he is saying. Now let's pause right here. Throughout the series, you have heard me say many, many times that it can be easy to become very judgy towards the disciples because often it seems like they just miss the mark. But the reality is they are incredibly relatable to us because we don't always understand what God is up to. And so especially this section of verses should read as incredibly relatable in their paradigm. As we've said numerous times throughout the series, the idea that Messiah would leave, Messiah would die, the Messiah would not just conquer Rome and establish an earthly kingdom. There was nothing in their paradigm that would allow them to consider that to be an option. And so Jesus teaching them makes absolutely no sense. And so if you think back on any point in your life, in which God's will made absolutely no sense to you, then you can 100% relate with what's going on here. But did you catch something? They kept asking each other and not Jesus for clarity. And I don't know as I read between the lines is, if they were afraid to ask Jesus, if they just assumed at this point that he wouldn't give them straight answers, but they kept asking each other instead of asking Jesus. But all that we know for sure is that they were confused. And so as we go to verse 19, 
Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So preemptively, he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. Kind of in a humorous way to me, Jesus is going, hello, guys, I'm, I'm right here. I'm right here. So verse 20, very truly I tell you, do you remember what that means, Rocky Peak? Amen. Amen. So again, a clear declaration of fact. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. What we're going to see in a short amount of time is the world celebrating the death of Jesus. What we're going to see is the disciples are experiencing grief now, but it's going to get even better deeper as they see Jesus hung on that cross. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Would you underline or highlight that, please? You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. I'm going to come back to this in a moment, but do you notice that grief and joy are existing at the same time? Verse 21 A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy so that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. Would you underline or highlight that last phrase? And no one will take away away your joy. And so as Jesus has been doing throughout this entire discourse, this whole sub-series, is he's speaking the truth of the hardships they're going to experience. He says that just as they already are, they're gonna continue to experience grief. And yet in the midst of that grief, yet in the midst of that suffering and sorrow, Jesus will do what only Jesus can do is that he will create life. He will create joy. He will create new beginning. And to illustrate that, he gives us this beautiful picture of childbirth. Now, moms that are watching or joining us this weekend, I don't need to mansplain to you how painful childbirth is, right? I don't need to explain to you what that is. I couldn't even do an adequate job of that, that above anybody else, you understand the picture that's being painted of this incredible suffering that also leads to a beautiful joy. Something that's very beautiful biblically is this isn't the only time the Bible uses this picture of childbirth. We actually see this picture come up quite a bit throughout the prophets in the Old Testament, specifically throughout Isaiah's writing, this idea of the pain of childbirth leading to new beginning. And so what is this new beginning? What is Jesus saying is going to be the source of our joy? Identity. Jesus' resurrection is going to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is the Christ, that he is God's anointing. The resurrection isn't simply another miracle in a long line of miracles. It is the absolute cosmic turning point of all of human, of all of eternal 
history. And so when Jesus says that in the midst of our grief, in the midst of watching death, in the midst of watching what we think sin win, Jesus will rise victorious. Jesus will rise as king. And when he does, we will see clearly who Jesus is. And because of that, we will then be able to understand who we now get to be as a result of his resurrection. The resurrected king resurrects us and no one can take that away from us. That is our joy, even in the midst of suffering. And he continues in verse 23. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Now we've talked about this before when Jesus has said similar things, that it's not talking about Jesus being this cosmic genie where we can ask of anything, but it's about us growing in our identity. It's about us asking Jesus, reveal more of who you are, reveal more of who you've intended me to be, reveal more of your epic vision in my life. Last week, we talked about that the beautiful conviction that the Holy Spirit does is a way of accomplishing this, is a way of God removing any roadblocks to us experiencing life and identity. So verse 24, until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Would you underline or highlight that? Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. And so we see there's a key mark, a key definition, a foundation, if you will, of this new era that we now pray in the name of Jesus that we now do all, we now live our life in the name of Jesus. We are now to ask in the name of the resurrected King. Again, joy in the midst of our sorrows. And so verse 25, though I've been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but I will tell you plainly about my father. And so again, speaking about after his resurrection, and this ties into what we talked about last week, that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit will continue to reveal the truth of who God is, who Jesus is, who they've created us to be, what our purpose is in life. The Holy Spirit will continue to open that truth up to our eyes, up to our hearts, up to our souls. Verse 26, in that day, you will ask in my name, I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the, the world and going back to the Father. And so do you catch what Jesus is saying here that because of his resurrection, we no longer need to go to Jesus to ask the Father, but we have now been restored to the Father. We have now been restored to have access to God the Father ourselves through the work of Jesus' life, new life. So another key mark of this new era is the Holy Spirit and a restoration of our relationship with God the Father. We're gonna impact that more later, verse 29. Then Jesus' disciples said, now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. 
Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask your questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. So let me put this in my language and my paraphrase here. The disciples are hearing what Jesus is saying and they're going, we get it. We understand now to which I say, how cute. How cute that they think they get it. The reality is they still don't. I think in some aspect, they're trying to rush to try to understand because like many of us, they're uncomfortable with mystery. Look at Jesus' response in verse 31. Do you now believe? Which again, in my paraphrase would be, that's really adorable, you guys, but it's really not true. Do you now believe, Jesus replied, a time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered, each of you to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone for my father is with me. And so again, hear the heart of Jesus. And again, we wanna not be super judgmental to the disciples here, that they're doing the best they can with their limited understanding. But again, I mentioned an uncomfortability with mystery that they're going, okay, I think we get it now, Jesus. We get it. You're God, we're with you. And Jesus is saying, no, you don't. Because if you really did get understand like you did, then you wouldn't scatter like you're going to in just a few hours. And I think this is convicting to me. And I think this should be convicting to all of us that for many of us, it's easier to make a promise than it is to follow through. It's easier to make a declaration, a promise towards Jesus in the midst of peace rather than follow through with it in the midst of incredible stress and trial. And so Jesus is saying that it's in the grief, it's in the sorrow that makes our promises, that makes our commitments, that makes God's promises come to a life, come to truth in a way that couldn't be done any other way. Again, we see why grief and joy need to coexist. And so Jesus, again, is talking about his unique relationship with the Father, that you guys are going to scatter and abandon me, but don't worry, I'm not alone, because the Father is with me. And again, as Jesus has now foreshadowed for us that his resurrection is gonna mean that in the midst of our grief today, Rocky Peak, we're not alone, that Jesus and the Father, that relationship restored, are with us. And then finally, Jesus closes with this. I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. And if you remember, our whole focus throughout Christmas was Jesus being the Prince of Peace, that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. That is an honest promise that we know too well, right? In this world, you will have trouble, but take Heart, I have overcome the world. Would you underline or highlight that? I want to read it again. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And so Jesus speaks truth. And so on one hand, he speaks the truth of what the reality of this world is. That, whoa, my mic fell off. We're just flexing with different things happening, Rocky Peak, aren't we? Uh, but you guys are good sports. So on one hand, Jesus is speaking truth that in this world, on this side of heaven, as I've often talked about it, we are gonna experience sin. 
we're gonna experience trouble, we're gonna experience sorrow. And the truth of that is, I don't have to convince any of you of that being true, right? I don't have to convince any of you. If you look back on your last years, if you look back on your last month, if you look back on your last week even, there are many of you going amen to that. My life has experienced significant sorrow, significant trauma, but again, that first half needs to live with the second half. This is what Jesus wants us to remember. This is what Jesus wants us to walk away from is that even though we will experience trauma, he has overcome this world. The resurrection of Jesus means that he has conquered sin. He has conquered death. He has conquered hell. He has conquered the enemy. He has conquered darkness. He has overcome our sorrow. Rocky Peak, remember what the death of Jesus meant is that when he went to the cross, he experienced your sorrow. He experienced your deepest grief. He experienced your deepest pain. He experienced your deepest tears. He experienced it all. There is no one in all of eternity that can relate to you more than Jesus can because he has felt every last aspect of your pain and he has done the one thing you and I cannot do. He has experienced it and he has defeated it. And so we hold on to this that he has overcome because King Jesus has won. And so he wants us to remember Rocky Peak, Christ follower, you will have sorrow. You will have pain. But in the midst of that pain, remember, Jesus's victory is real. Jesus's victory brings new life and new hope and new empowerment and new perspective, and new strength, and new focus. And so for me, this verse is something that I want spiritually tattooed on my heart, that Jesus has overcome the world. In fact, there in your note sheet, I put a very famous passage from James chapter one that might be familiar to you if you've been walking with Christ for any length of time, but I think it comes to new life in light of this passage. There in your note sheet, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now, James is writing this at a time of significant persecution for the church. And often the question has been, why does he say consider it pure joy, even though you're facing significant suffering? And I would answer that question with what Jesus just declared, because we don't minimize our suffering but we focus on the truth that Jesus has overcome the world. And so even though we are invited by God to feel the truth of what we feel, we are invited to feel our sadness, our sorrow and our grief. In the midst of that, we can also feel his victory. We can also experience his victory, his power and his strength to have overcome. And so once again, Rocky Peak, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Amen. And so Rocky Peak, as we leave our passage this weekend, what I want to do at the time that we have left is I want to focus on two key truths. Again, two more markers of this new era that come out of this. But even though we're leaving this passage I wanna encourage you not to leave these words of Jesus too quickly. 
And in fact, I want you to kind of, I want to illustrate like this idea that we're called to an important remembrance because often as we face suffering, as we face hardship, it can be easy to forget. And the words of scripture, the words of Jesus are given to us to act as a reminder. And so to illustrate that, I like to illustrate it in this way that many of you, if you've been long time at Rocky Peak, you know that one of the things I absolutely adore in this world is music. I absolutely love, love, love listening to music. Now, let me be very clear about this. I am not musical, but I absolutely adore listening to music and engaging with it. And I love listening to all different kinds of music, but there are, and all of us have this, there are a list of songs that I, can, I never get tired of, that no matter how many times I've heard them, as soon as that song or one of these particular songs comes on, all of a sudden it makes me feel something. It makes me feel good, it makes me feel awake, it makes me feel energized and ready to go. You know, for me, as I think about that list, there's a lot of songs on that. I think of something like Bohemian Rap, Rhapsody by Queen. I think of something like Don't Stop Believing by Journey. I think of something like Purple Rain by Prince. Come on, Purple Rain. I think of almost anything by My Chemical Romance. I think of these songs that whenever they come on on my shuffle, I pause everything and I go, yeah, yeah, I need to listen to this because it just gives me an emotional feeling and an energy. And the reason I share that illustration is that's what scripture is. Scripture is living and active and it's meant to give us an emotional connection to God and through his spirit. And so as we talk about the reality of this world, again, the tension of this reality that there will be grief, but there will be joy. That again, I want to focus you on what Jesus the King has said, that while we will face trouble, he has overcome the world. And so as we unpack these two truths, these two other markers of this new era his resurrection has ushered in, remember that they are declarations that Jesus has overcome. And so with that, there in your note sheet, you got a section titled, Living in Jesus' Victory, Two Truths. And your first fill-in is this. Jesus has restored our relationship with the Father. Jesus has restored our relationship with the Father. And while I'm not gonna spend a ton of time on this point, it was important to me to be able to highlight that throughout the sub-series the, in Signs, the Path Forward, the key focus has been on new life. If you remember the imagery of Jesus saying that he is the vine and we are the branches that are attached to that. And the whole epic vision that Jesus has for us is that we would be a people that are 100% defined by life. That there is not a single aspect of us that has not been transformed by the life that only Jesus can bring. And one of those aspects is our key relationships. And before we can focus on our earthly relationships, it has to start with the spiritual. And so the first relationship that sin destroyed was our relationship with God the Father that because of sin, we could no longer be in the holy presence of God. We were now objects of God's wrath, as the Apostle Paul put it in Ephesians chapter two. 
And so this is showing not only the mighty work of Jesus, but the completeness of the victory his resurrection brought in that you and I as the temple of God, the place where God now dwells, we now have access to God the Father. While we were once orphans, we have now experienced a beautiful homecoming. And this new era, this kingdom era that Jesus has ushered in is just that. It's a homecoming. If you go back to your high school or your college days, do you remember what the point of a homecoming was? It was more than just a football game and a cheesy dance. The idea of homecoming was you invited all of your alumni to come back to campus for one night. And it was that experience that over the years you were here, this was your home. And we want you to come back to experience the fact that wherever you go, wherever you go from here, that this will always be your home. And there's a beautiful sentiment in that, whether we agree or not, depending on our high school or college experiences. But the reason why I share that is to illustrate the beauty of that spiritually, that Jesus ushered in our spiritual homecoming, that because of Jesus's resurrection, he didn't simply invite us back with the Father. He came into our lives and he made the way to lead us personally back home in the presence of God the Father. And so Rocky Peak, one of the biggest aspects of spiritual warfare is this feeling of loneliness. And here when Jesus says that he has overcome is a huge weapon in our arsenal to remind ourselves that we are never alone, that the Holy Spirit is with us, that Jesus the King is with us. And because of the work of Jesus the King, God the Father has been restored to us. We are in relationship with the Trinity itself. And that is the mark of this new era. And so wherever it is and wherever we go, as I often say, in our highest of highs, in our lowest of lows, in our moments of deepest laughs, or if our moments of deepest tears, we are restored with God the Father. The Father is with us. Christ follower, you are his son, you are his daughter. And because of Jesus, you are now home in his presence. Jesus has restored our relationship with the Father. That is what is meant by Jesus saying that he has overcome this world. And so that's the first truth I wanted to unpack with you. The second one is this, that Jesus brings new life into our sufferings. That Jesus brings new life into our sufferings. You know, I've said this before, that I once heard a pastor out of Texas named Matt Chandler say this, that when you slow down and look at the big picture story of scripture, that scripture really is an account of suffering more than it is of anything else. But in that, it's an account of God bringing life in the midst of suffering and sin. And the beautiful hope in that is that God doesn't wait for our suffering to end, to begin a new work of life, a healing work of life, a restorative work of life in us. 
that we see this in the account of Jesus himself, that God sent Jesus into our world, into our suffering, into our pain, into our darkness, to live the life that you and I couldn't live, to die the death that you and I should have died. As I mentioned earlier, to feel every last ounce of pain and suffering that we've experienced or that we've caused throughout our world, all so that in the midst of it, Jesus could begin a brand new life in the midst of it. And what we see throughout the life of Jesus is the power of resurrection. We see this in some, quote, smaller ways as Jesus heals ailments or Jesus casts out spirits. We've seen this as Jesus on more than one occasion has brought the dead literally back to life. We see this ultimately with Jesus' own resurrection himself. And as Jesus says, I have overcome, it's because you and I today as the church, we live as the beneficiaries. We live in the aftermath of his resurrection, which means that we now live in new life which means that God in his beautifully sovereign way is always at work creating new life in us. And it may often be in unexpected ways. It may often be in ways that we did not see, that we didn't even ask for, but the work of God, his victorious, his work of overcovering is always to bring a new life in the midst of our pain. And so again, we go back to this tension that Jesus tells us the truth. And I've said it on numerous occasions. I said it last week, that say what you will about the Bible, but you can't deny that it's an honest and blunt book. Jesus says that we will experience pain and hardship on this side of heaven, but that he has overcome. And that is a declaration that pain and hardship will not be what defines us, but new life, resurrection is what defines us. You know, we're gonna unpack this further in our new series in January called Supernatural. But that's an aspect of what it means that we have been supernaturally changed, that we are pretty limited and weak vessels. Paul in the New Testament calls us jars of clay. And yet it is through God's supernatural power and love that he not only holds us together in the midst of hardship, but he empowers us to not only survive, but to thrive and to grow and to mature in it. And so again, Rocky Peak, please hear me very clearly on this. The words of Jesus are not to put a neat little bow on your pain and suffering. They're not intended to minimize your tears. They're not intended to minimize your pain. You are invited by our beautiful Jesus to go before his presence and to feel your grief, to feel your anger, to feel your sorrow, to feel what it is you're feeling. But remember throughout this whole series, we've seen that the words of Jesus are to remind us that even though we get stuck on what's right in front of us, there is a much bigger picture. There is a much bigger God at work and at play that is working at the work of creating new life. You know, almost two years ago now, which sounds like longer at this point, but near the beginning of the pandemic, when we first had to go to these empty room sessions and the broadcast only, 
I remember we were teaching in a series on dealing with how to cope with a crisis, I believe it was called. And I was teaching on something similar and I used this series of quotes that I put there on your note sheet. The first by Barbara Brown Taylor, new life starts in the dark. Whether it is a seed in the ground, a baby in the womb, or Jesus in the tomb, it starts in the ground. And in response to that quote there below that, Catherine and Jay Wolf, and it does. As much as we don't imagine it that way and pray for anything but, there is new life and treasure and God there in the dark. We can trust him to share his gifts in the dark. And because of this, we have a boundless hope. Rocky Peak, I can't always answer the question of why. I can't always answer the question of, is this all gonna work out? I can't always answer the question of, well, this is exactly what God is doing. And I'm not meant to. None of us are. And I'll be the first to admit that often I get so focused on what I don't know that I lose focus on the bigger truth of what I do know, that Jesus is with me and that Jesus has overcome. And so wherever you're at this weekend, I wanna remind you from the truth of scripture, you have not been forgotten. You have not been abandoned. You have not been ignored. King Jesus is with you. King Jesus is present in your crying and your tears. He's present in your anger and your wrestling and your pushback. King Jesus is not intimidated by your emotions. King Jesus is with you. And even though you can't see what's ahead, remember that King Jesus is calling you not to see the path forward, but to see him with you, to see his presence with you, to fix your eyes on him and to remind you that you may not see what's ahead, but see me here now. And to remind you that he has overcome because of his resurrection. And so Rocky Peak, as we leave our time together, let's remember the context of this, that he told this to his disciples as they were about to experience even more grief and suffering, knowing that this wouldn't make full sense until his resurrection. And the beautiful truth is that we live on the other side of the resurrected Jesus. We live on the other side of his victory. We know that the tomb is empty. We know that the king has been, has sits on his throne. We know that the kingdom is here. And because of that, that gives us an unshakable joy in the midst of our hardships. We have been restored to the Father because of King Jesus. And we are experiencing new life in the midst of the dark because of King Jesus. And we may not know anything else but that in this moment, but that is enough. Amen, amen. And so with that Rocky Peak, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna invite the worship team to come on out and take the stage. 
And we're gonna celebrate the victory of King Jesus together as a church as we celebrate the start of a brand new year by taking the act of communion together. And if you're new to Rocky Peak or if you're new to church in general, communion is an act reserved for those that have given their life to Jesus, that have acknowledged their sin, that have experienced his forgiveness and have declared their lives to be in Jesus's hands. And if you've not yet done that, this could be an opportunity for you to do that. And there'd be no better way to signify that than taking communion for the first time. And so for those of you on campus, you got those elements as you walked in. If you're joining us online, feel free to jump into your kitchen or pantry and grab a couple of elements right now. But again, remember what the elements signify, the bread signifying the, the body that was broken, the drink signifying the blood that was shed. But the reason why we take communion, why Jesus commanded us to, is to remember his victory, that it may be, that what seems like death is God creating new life. And so I'm gonna pray us into this time and the worship team is gonna sing over us. And as they do that, I wanna invite you to go ahead and pray, go ahead and take communion. And as you take of those elements, I wanna invite you to stand and sing with us as you sing this beautiful song about coming back to the presence of God the Father that we can declare because of Jesus, we have been restored, that is new life. Life, our relationship with the Father. Because of Jesus, we have been restored. We are experiencing new life and communion is a reminder of that. Amen, amen. Let's pray together, Rocky Peak. Jesus, you live. Jesus, you won. Jesus, and because you live and because you won, we now live. We live in your victory. I'm grateful that at no point did you say, okay, guys, figure it out on your own, but you came and you modeled and you led and you died and you rose again and you still lead and model and call us to listen and follow. And so Jesus, wherever it is we're coming from, whatever highs we're experiencing, whatever lows and sorrows we're experiencing, we place it all at your feet. And we thank you for your work of restoration and your work of creating new life in the midst of grief and pain. Jesus, as we take communion, I pray for anybody that is taking communion for the very first time as a declaration that they are now your sons and daughters, that you have cleansed them of their sin, that you have given them a new heart as that verse we read at the beginning talked about, and that they are now part of your kingdom forever and ever. For all of us, Jesus, let this time be a time of joy and be a time of celebration as we take of communion and as we sing. And is it in your name, King Jesus, that we all said, amen.